Welcome to The Deciding Point, presented by Hard True, our Crack Rackets weekly breakdown of the biggest storylines from throughout the tennis world. This week, we answered the question on the minds of every tennis fan. Which players are going to emerge from Wimbledon with the titles, the 2021 event just around the corner? We only had three weeks of grass court warm-up events to get acclimated to the surface, but on today's podcast, I want to focus on that question, who are going to emerge with the titles, talk a little bit about the Olympic Games on the horizon as well. With that in mind, Westoff, roll the credits. Let's get to today's show. Some history was made this past week on the WTA Tour as we had two first-time champions emerge in our two grass court warm-up events. Let's start in Birmingham with Own Jabour. Jabour becomes the first Arab woman in WTA history to capture a women's singles title. Feels like it was a long time coming for Jabour. She had made a couple of finals over these past 52 weeks, is now 41-17 in her last 52 weeks. She's up to number 24 in the actual rankings. That's a career high for her, and certainly she belongs in the top 25 conversation, but you take a deeper dive into the numbers she's put up over these past 52 weeks. Perhaps that number 24 ranking is selling her short. You look at Tennis Abstract's ELO ratings, which measures who you play, how you do against them, as opposed to where and when, what round, like the WTA rankings do. Jabour's numbers pop off the screen. She's up to number 15 in overall ELO low rating. You narrow it out to grass court specific results against small sample size, but she's all the way up to number four in Tennis Abstract's ELO rating. She's also number eight in her 2021 specific results. You look at what she's been able to do, 29-11 and 11 here in 2021. She's made six quarterfinals since the tour resumed in August. Those are spectacular results. And then you look at the more specific statistics. She becomes the fourth member of the top 15 club. When you're a top 15 player in both hold percentage, how frequently you're holding serve, break percentage, how frequently you're breaking serve amongst top 50 players, usually you're doing something right. Usually you're winning big titles, competing late into second weeks at Grand Slams. You look for Onjabur. She joins a list that includes Iga Sviantek, Garbine Muguruza, and Arena Sabalenka. It feels like a list she belongs on, again, given that continued success she's had over the last 52 weeks. And have we seen Owns make a semifinal, a final, a winning run at a Grand Slam yet? The obvious answer there is no. But when you look at how open these events have been over the past three seasons on the WTA side, we just saw Krejcikova do it at the French Open. And there are still so many questions about the health of so many of the usual contenders. People like Ashley Barty, Garbine Muguruza, Simona Halep. We don't know how healthy they're going to be entering this 2021 Wimbledon. We're obviously not going to be seeing Naomi Osaka either as she withdrew for the event. Given Own Jabour's level of play over these past, really, again, 52 weeks of competition, given the fact that she's 17-10 and 10 overall in her career in grass court matches, and that 27 matches of experience in WTA-level grass court play, that makes a difference compared to so many of the young players who have played fewer than 10. Again, people like Andrescu, people like Igor Sviantek, they really haven't played that many matches on these grass courts, so it's going to be players like a Jabour 
or like a Belinda Benchich, people who just have experience on the surface, that's something you might be looking for as you try to figure out who the top Wimbledon contenders are. Certainly, again, you look at Onjabur with her title run this past week in Birmingham, knocking off Kasakina, Potapova, Heather Watson, Layla Fernandez. She looked exceptional all week long. The variety she plays with her ability to attack open space, her ability to incorporate the drop shot, and then again, her ability to hold serve eat with ease and pressure all of her opponent's service games. She's a complete player, and it shouldn't sh- surprise anyone to see her in the top 25. Shouldn't surprise anyone to see her make a run into the second week of this 2021 Wimbledon. Own Jabour, someone I am certainly keeping my eye on, and again, a much-deserved first WTA-level singles title for her. On the flip side, you look at our warm-up event last week in Germany. Has there been a more impressive title run in this 2021 season than Ludmilla Samsonova, the 22-year-old Russian earning her first WTA title in Germany this past week. You look at the players she knocked off on her way to the title. She gets wins over Vondrusova, Kudermatova, an in-form Madison Keys, Victoria Azarenka, and then Belinda Bencic in a three-set final that saw her drop the first set 6-1 in about 25 minutes. I mean, for Samsonova, the first thing that jumps off is the screen is her power, and she uses her length so well on these grass courts. She's about five foot eleven, and her ability to turn into that backhand really, really special, particularly on the return of serve for Benchich, who struggled in the second set with her first serve percentage, and then took a little bit off her first serve in the third just to put a little bit more pressure on Samsonova, but it didn't matter because Samsonova was teeing off on the ball, hitting through everything, uh, really finding some success on these grass courts. And look, she's definitely got a bigger forehand swing, but when she, you know, with her first serve and the time it gives her to set up that forehand, she's able to swing through it and uh, just attack these opponents, play on her terms. And again, you look at the win she was able to accomplish, you say, fine, the Azarenka wins a fluke. Well, when you follow it up with a win over a Benchich, when you beat a Keys, when you beat an informed coup, Matova, the pressure of Amarketa Vandrusova. Those are exceptional wins for Samsonova, who now finds herself at a new career high of number 63. And for the 22-year-old, it's been steady progress. She's played a ton of pro events dating back to when she was 14, 15 years old. And she's been hovering, you know, top 150 end of 2019, top 120 end of 2020. She's now inside the top 75. She's got top 75 weapons, top 75 power. Again, it's a really small sample size. There's a lot of qualifying action in these results. She is 12 and 3 now on grass courts was, you know, earned 7 wins as she came through qualifying last week, but you know, was 5 and 3 on the surface before and the quicker surface allows her to play her power tennis. I certainly want, wouldn't want to line up against her if I was a seed or in the early rounds of this Wimbledon event. Now, again, after you play the best tennis of your life for a week, following that up is so difficult to do. Only the special ones end up doing it, but you watch the power tennis of Samson over there. Certainly a place for her in the top 100. Again, only 22 years old. We've all grown so fascinated with the 19, 20, 21-year-olds or even the 16, 17-year-olds like Coco Golf who break through so early. Samsonova can do it. 
And she's got that power tennis. She's got the confidence now as well. Again, I would want no power of her on these fast courts on the grass. Is she going to be on my top 10 contenders to win Wimbledon like an own Jabour might be? No. But watching Samsonova power through that draw, super, super impressive. Again, shout out to Belinda Benchit. She gets a much needed final and the best surface in her career has consistently been grass court. She's made the round of 16 at Wimbledon before. I think she can do it again this season. Vika, if she's healthy, looks in form as well. Madison Keys, the speed of these courts seemed to play perfectly for her. There was a lot to take note of in the warm-up event last week in Germany. Certainly most of all would be the fact that it was Ludmilla Samsonova earning the title and capping off again. Two more first-time winners on the WTA Tour. That means we've had 10 thus far on the season. You look at the list of names that have done it. Clara Tossin, Sarah Saribas Tormo, Leila Fernandez, Veronica Kudermatova, Astra Sharma, Maria Sorio Serrano, Bala Bedosha Jaber, Barbara Krechikova, On Jabor, Ludmilla Samsonova. A generational shift is occurring. The majority of those players, 25 years old or younger, actually most of them under the age of 22. It's happening in front of our eyes, folks. It's manifesting itself at the Grand Slams. It is such an exciting time to be a fan of women's tennis. Now, Cracked Rackets fans know I am not afraid to throw around a hot take or two on these shows, but if I told you there was a rankings list that has Novak Djokovic 1, Marin Cilic 2, Ugo Umber 3, Matteo Berrettini 4, and FAA number 5, you'd probably think I made that list up, but in fact, that is the current rankings of the Tennis Abstract Grass Court-specific ELO ratings right now after these first two and a half weeks of play of Grass Court warm-up events. And again, it's such a limited sample size. I cannot emphasize that enough. The fact that you have guys like Sam Query and John Isner, Feliciano Lopez ranked inside the top 10 as well. That speaks to the fact that perhaps it's not the most accurate metric in the world right now. But this past, the, the, the reason it looks the way it does is because these past two weeks, we saw a couple of players enter the winner's circle and certainly solidify themselves as players you want no part of early on at Wimbledon on these grass courts. Let's start with the guy who I have in the second pole position entering this 2021 Wimbledon. And again, the gap between Djokovic and the number two, three, any other contender is about as vast as you're going to find at any men's single slam over these past 15 seasons. But the question of, you know, because there is, if Djokovic loses, someone's got to win the event. Who do I think that could be? I think Matteo Berrettini is the guy in that number two position. You look at Berrettini, who this past week looked just exceptional in his run to the title at Queen's Club, beats Murray, Evans, Dimenauer, Cam Nori. He also earned a win over Travaglia in that first round match. Just dominated with his first serve, won over 80% of his first serve points for the week. And look, the weight of his forehand, his ability to hit that ball inside out, inside in, his comfort level moving forward, his ability to get to the net and be comfortable there, incorporate the drop shots in his game, a little creativity in the outer thirds as well, loves throwing up those lobs as a passing shot, does a good job of also hitting that backhand slice low at the feet. If you try to move forward on it, he you know, has gotten better at his backhand return as well. And he earns another grass court title, as I mentioned, at Queens Club this past weekend. 
look again. We saw him, in my opinion, test Djokovic as hard as any player tested him at the French Open, and there's a decisiveness to Berrettini. When he plays his best tennis, it doesn't matter what the opponent's doing. He's going to be in the match. He's going to be holding serve, finding himself in a tiebreaker, and then he does have the skill set where it's not as one-dimensional as an Isner, where if you get into a baseline rally, leave a ball short, he's going to wallop a forehand at you, take control of the point. Again, his slice on these grass courts that much more effective. He's gotten better at swinging through his return on that backhand wing as well, and his movement, his ability to find forehands in general. It's a special, special trait. You look for him overall, everything trending in the right direction. He's 34 and 11. He's a top 10 player across every ELO metric. Uh, You look for him in grass courts in specific on his career, 18 and 5. And again, 23 matches, small sample size. The best he's ever done at Wimbledon before round of 16. But a lot of these next-geners, outside of maybe Zverev, you know, even Tsitsipas, even Medvedev's played fewer than 30, and, you know, the Rublevs of the world, and all of those other guys you normally would think are in the mix because we don't have Rafael Nadal, and clearly Roger Federer isn't prime Roger Federer right now. I think Berrettini's the best of the rest. He's the guy I would throw in the mix at that number two position. And again, to beat Nori, who is a top 15 ELO player right now, and obviously the rankings, he's not at that metric, but he is inside the top 40 for the first time in his career. He does it across surfaces. He puts so much pressure on you. He doesn't beat himself. He attacks open space. He anticipates well. Doesn't have that overwhelming weapon, but put a lot of pressure on Berrettini, was able to find the Berrettini backhand. It didn't matter. Matteo Berrettini's best was just better than Cam Norris, and I think his best is better than a lot of men. I would say perhaps all, but four or five guys on the ATP tour right now. He's my number two guy in that position. Again, he's won a couple of titles now on grass course. I just think there's a confidence about him and the fact that he's going to go down swinging. You have to do that against Novak Djokovic. He's in my number two slot. Is Ugo Umber in my top 10? Hard to deny. At this point, again, number three as an ELO rating on grass courts feels a bit extreme, but you look for Ugo Umber in his career, now 14-5 and on these grass courts, and he's a guy who at least we've seen in a fourth round of Wimbledon before he did that in that 2019 season, knocks off FAA, Monfils, and Granolers before losing to Novak Djokovic. He gets a title on a grass court now as well, and look, it was a gauntlet of a draw for him. He beats Query, Zverev, Korda, FAA, and Rublev to earn the ATP 500 level title. That's about as tough as it gets. And you look for Ugo Umber, who is a top 10 server on of the top 50 players on tour now. He's a bottom 10 returner, but that matters a little bit less on grass courts because all you need on grass is the one break of serve and the ability to hold serve routinely. Of course, it is that much harder to break serve on these grass courts. And Umber does play that tricky sort of game style. His ability to dig balls out at his feet and just slap them down the line and his decisiveness, willing to go cross court big, willing to go short angle, willing to go down the line, willing to play drop shot. You just never know what Ugo Umber is going to throw at you. And that spontaneity translates very well to these grass courts. And again, of all the next geners, at least we've seen him have success on this surface before, even at the ATP level, that much more important. 
you look at the wins he accumulated. Again, do I think it, it, there were a bunch of three-set matches against Query, Zverev, Korda, FAA? All of those are three-set matches. If it's a best-of-five format, does he still win those? Tough to say. But he's going to be in a position in every match he plays to at least stick around, and who knows what's going to happen. He's going to be a top 25 seed. You look for him now. He's currently at his new peak ranking of number 25. That's a he definitely if the draw breaks right, you could see a second week for him, maybe even a quarterfinal slot. That's how open this tournament feels outside of Novak Djokovic. Keep your eye on Ugo Umber. I will say for FA to follow up his final with a semifinal the next week, and now he's got the week off heading into Wimbledon. That's very, very good news for young FAA fans. I think this could be the slam. We see him second week quarterfinals as well in the mix. If you're a fan of a Zverev or a Medvedev who lost early last week, rest assured, they're going to be fine. It was just a quick transition from them from clay courts to the grass, but Again, that's two notables. If you're looking, the question we're trying to answer today, who's going to win Wimbledon? I don't know about Ugo Umber, but if it's not Novak Djokovic, I think Matteo Berrettini's a pretty good bet to get the job done in London. And if he's out in the opposite half of the draw, it would not shock me at all to see him as the guy who tests Novak in that Wimbledon final. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's talk Wimbledon contenders. The question all of us are asking, who are going to emerge as the singles title champions at the 2021 Wimbledon? Let's start with the top five contenders on the women's side. Look, it's a wide open event and health is going to be so important as well as draw position, all of those various things. But there's a lot of unknowns heading into this Grand Slam. We saw Ashley Barty withdraw from the French Open due to injury. That event was only a month ago, a little bit less than that. And so will she have had time to fully recover? Will she be at her healthiest? We haven't seen her in any of the warm-up events. Certainly in principle, her ability to play first strike, her ability to slice that backhand, her comfort level moving forward. She has every ingredient you could ask for a successful grass court player, but we just haven't seen it in a while. And again, the last time we saw it, she lost to Ali Risk early in the event. So, or not early, but she lost a match that we thought she was going to win. So, uh, there are definitely questions surrounding her. And again, is she healthy? We don't know. Simona Halep, former Wimbledon champion. She withdrew from a warm-up event. She withdrew from the French Open. Is she healthy? We don't know. Petra Kvitova. I thought she was a sneaky dark horse candidate to win the 2021 French Open. She injures her ankle in a press conference. Now, she's looked pretty good in her warm-up event this week. And I do think she's someone who has to be in your top five. So just, we'll put a little asterisk next to her. We'll come back in a second. But a Garbine Muguruza, I thought she looked pretty healthy in her first event, uh, warm-up event, but can she hold up over four, uh, two weeks? That's a question to ask. Uh, all of these players have question marks. There's no Naomi Osaka in the draw. And so there's not a clear-cut top five. Iga Sviantek has one career win on grass courts. Bianca Andreescu, one career win on grass courts. And so, again, it's an unconventional top five, but 
I've been knocking around some names, looking at the relative health of players. I'm going to exclude Ashley Barty and Simona Halep from this list because, again, I just don't know how healthy they are, and I can't include them if I don't know if they're going to end up actually playing in the event. But when I look at my top five, I do think number one right now, and as crazy as this is to say, I think it's Petra Kvitova. She looked pretty healthy in her first two matches this past week, and you know she got better and better as the matches progressed, and if that ankle holds up, I just think she's the one who has the best blend of consistent results here in the 2021 season. She's got the plus power to hit through any opponent, the ability to take the big cracks at the second serve returns, the confidence as well going into this event, and the pedigree on these grass courts, which again, so many of these players don't have. She's someone who's won Wimbledon before. We've seen it. We know that recipe. And I just think if healthy, the results she's put forward this season, we've seen her already win a big title in the Middle East. I think she's my top contender right now. Crazy to say she's going to go in that number one position. I mean, after this, it's just a toss-up. I'm going to throw in Muguruza too, because again, I've seen it before, and her length, her ability to track down that extra ball and take that ball down the line to where you're not, or hit it cross-court to where you're not, I just don't know how many other players have that comfort level and that skill set on these grass courts. She's also got the big serve if needed, can play the plus one if needed, will move forward and hit the swinging volley to the open space to take time away if needed. I'm going to throw her at number two. I don't feel great about that. I guess three, Serena, because she was winning over 80% of her first serve points in the majority of her French Open matches. And again, on these grass courts, if you can hold serve, that's half the battle. And once you get to a tiebreaker, no one's going to compete better or more efficiently than Serena Williams. Now, again, physically over seven matches, I don't know if she can keep that level up. And we've seen players like Osaka, like Rabakina, like Andrescu, players with that plus power, and there are so many of them now in the women's game, hit through her with more success than they had in the past. But her best is still really good, and we're on her best surface. Obviously, that path, that chase to 24, going to continue to motivate her. I just think it, I'm not ready to drop her below three at Wimbledon. So she's my number three. Again, no Barty, no Halep on this list. Contas won a title. Jabour's won a warm-up title. Uh, Benchich made a final. She looked really, really good in doing so. Sabalenka's in the mix as well. She's won her first two matches and looks more comfortable on the surface. Uh, You know what? Because no one's expecting it, I'll throw her on the list. I have no justification other than to say perhaps low expectations will be a blessing for Arena Sabalenka as for. I'm not proud for throwing her there. She wasn't on my initial tweet on my list, but you guys know that Power Tennis Captivating. She's one of four players in the top 15 club on the women's side, top 15 in both hold and break percentage. I'm going to throw her at four. I'm going to throw Goff at five. I know that's crazy to say. Her first big breakthrough came at Wimbledon. She's top 10 in all of the ELO metrics. She won a title recently. She's playing the warm-up event this week. She's going to be my number five. I'm going to actually have her tied with Own Jabour and Joe Conta. Again, I'm cheating, of course, on the list. I named nine players for a five-player list, but that speaks to, again, you want to throw Benchich at me. You want to throw a Sakari at me, a Mukova, a Pagula, a Kennan. I have to hear, in Andrescu, I have to hear your argument. Svitolina, I, I should have mentioned her as well. All of these players belong on the list. It's another open event. 
expect upsets, expect excitement, expect a very, very good 2021 Wimbledon. Now for my top five men's singles contenders headed into Wimbledon, the prohibitive number one, and it's not particularly close, is Novak Djokovic. And this is the most confident I've felt about Djokovic since probably that 2016 Australian Open when he was fresh off of the 2015 season, clearly playing the best tennis of his career. You know, there's no Nadal in the draw. It's not the same Roger Federer. We just haven't seen a Medvedev, a Tsitsipas, a Zverev, a Berrettini, any of those guys have prolonged success on the grass courts because there was no 2020 grass court season. And then, of course, you have all of the metrics. You know, there's the case for why not anyone else. The perhaps most notable thing is why Novak Djokovic is just because, simply put, he's proven it already this season. When it matters most, he's better than everyone else. He has a gear that no one else in the men's game can reach right now. When you look for him, 26-3 and overall in the 2021 calendar. He won the Australian Open. He won the French Open to win all four in the calendar slam. Uh, the win the calendar slam, I suppose, is very much in play. That's not an opportunity at this point in his career Novak Djokovic is going to take lightly. And again, by the metrics... First serve win percentage is up this season. Second serve win percentage is up this season. He's playing as well as he was in those 2015, 2016 seasons. And, you know, again, it's clearly not the same Novak Djokovic, but the gear he hit in that French Open quarterfinal, semifinal, and final against Berrettini, Nadal, and successful, uh successively, it's just a different level than anyone else in the game has hit this season. We get to his, I mean, it's not his best surface because hard courts is, but he beat Roger Federer on these grass courts when Federer was playing his best tennis. And again, from a confidence level, Djokovic is just on another planet. And if Tsitsipas can't beat him from two sets to love up at the French Open, I don't know how anyone beats him here at Wimbledon. He's your prohibitive number one. I mentioned this on an earlier segment here. So if you want to hear my case for Matteo Berrettini and you're watching on YouTube, go check that out. If you're listening to this in podcast form, you guys know my thoughts on him. He's my number two player. Number three, I'm going to go with Daniil Medvedev, who I've at least seen you know, beat a Stan Wawrinka, beat seeds at this Wimbledon before. And, you know, his three losses in his three main draw appearances, 2017, 2018, 2019, they were five set losses. And obviously Medvedev's a far better player now than he was then. You look at the metrics this year, every metric for him has improved. He's one of six men's players in that top 15 club to be top 15 in both hold and break percentage in the tennis abstract stats leaderboard. Uh, He's got the big first serve to win points easily. He's such a good returner. He's able to make matches physical in the way Djokovic sometimes can on these grass scores. And when I say sometimes, I mean Medvedev can sometimes make the match physical the way Djokovic always can on these grass scores. And then again, the three out of five set format, Medvedev doesn't wear down. He doesn't go away and he just has so many different ways to beat you. He's such a tough matchup regardless of surface. I think the fact that he made the semifinal, the quarterfinals, excuse me, of Roland Garros after having no success on the the clay courts in the warm up to that run, and then you know for him to lose his first round match, but take the wild card into Mallorca, reach the quarterfinals, fun match for him against Kasparud coming up. I just think he's got some really good tennis in him. Three out of five sets always going to benefit him. He's in my number three spot. Oh, after that, it gets tough. I'll throw Zverev at four just because three out of five sets, guy's a beast. 
six, uh, you know, six consecutive round of 16s or later, just by virtue of being there, I suppose he's got a shot to be in the mix. And then at the number five spot right now, I mean, Tsitsipas probably belongs there just out of respect, but Marin Cilic, Andre Rublev, I would say they both belong in the tier. So I'll give you seven guys for a five name list. Cilic, Tsitsipas, Rublev round out that second tier of players. And I do think Berrettini may even be in a tier of his own. Amigo Djokovic, massive drop. Berrettini, smallest drop. Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, Chilich, Rublev. Those would be the seven guys for me. Now, again, there's such a big gap between Novak Djokovic and everyone else, and I really will be shocked if he does not win this Grand Slam event. But, you know, Tsitsipas, with that serve, his willingness to move forward, the hubris he plays with, the guy's a shot maker. And in biggest stages, brightest lights, he plays his best semifinals or better at three of the past four slams. Expect him to be in the later rounds. I'm expecting a Rublev bounce back the weight of that shot. My sneaky picks would be like a guy like FAA if he's playing his best. I haven't mentioned Roger Federer. I need to see him prove it. I know he won his first three matches at the French Open, and I know Wimbledon, obviously, better surface for a guy who isn't trying to play long physical points, but... I need to see it before I can believe it. FAA's a fine loss in three sets in the warm-up event. Roger's in my top 10. He's not in my top five. But overall, it's Djokovic uh, in the lead. Everyone else chasing from a distance. But again, that distance, that chasing is what makes these Grand Slams so exciting. So I'm still expecting a lot of fun at the 2021 Wimbledon. We try to focus on the positives here at Cracked Rackets, and there are a lot of positive things happening right now in the tennis world, but we definitely have to discuss the wave of withdrawals we've seen from the 2021 Olympic Games, in particular on the men's side. So many names dropping out of late. Rafael Nadal, who said it in advance. Again, it's a long-term health thing, and for him, of course, we want to see him compete for five more years, not just one more Olympic Games. So he's already won a gold medal in both singles and doubles. Not shocking to see him pull out. We saw Dominic Team, who is dealing with a wrist injury. Hopefully, we get to see him at Wimbledon, but he's out of the Olympic Games. We've also, though, started to see guys like Shapovalov, like a Dimitrov, like an Isner, like an Opelka, like a Kasper Ruud, pull out of these Olympic Games. And of course, in terms of Wimbledon, we've seen Naomi Osaka out of the event, David Goffin out of the event. What is our takeaway from that fact as tennis fans? I think the Wimbledon stuff, again, that's more circumstantial, but from an Olympic standpoint, do I think it's a it's a concern for Olympic tennis where that goes moving forward. No, I don't. A, the rigors of the tennis schedule is something we've discussed on our Crack Rackets podcast and videos many times before. It's, in my opinion, the most brutal schedule in all of professional sports. You get about six weeks off at the end of the year. Other than that, you have matches you could be playing week in, week out of the duration of the year. You're traveling country to country. You're switching surfaces. You're switching elevations. There's a lot of discomforts in the professional tennis schedule. And again, they're professionals. They're paid to deal with that sort of circumstance. I agree with that, but you throw in a pandemic into the mix and the various regulations that are associated with this year's Olympic Games. Justified regulations because, again, we're trying to ensure and guarantee the safety, not just of the athletes, but the workers and all the fans, everyone associated with these 2021 Olympic Games at the same time. Of course, you can understand, you can empathize why some of these players, given the rigors of their schedule or nagging injuries they have uh, lingering, 
don't want to put themselves through those stresses to play this event. The Nadal case, I, I don't even think I have to make, but for a guy like Grigor Dimitrov, who's struggled with his consistency, struggled with various injuries, and is just looking to find his form down the home stretch of the 2021 season, where there's a lot of hard court events that he can thrive on. He's won the Western and Southern event before. He's had success at the U.S. Open. The Asian swing of events is a place he's had success as well. You could understand why he wants to get ready for that. Ditto with a guy like Denis Shapovalov. You can understand with the injuries he's had with the big hardcourt events, and again, with the years and years he still has left in his career, using this as a training block. You can, Of course, the Olympic Games have a special place in the tennis calendar, and there's what? It's Nadal, it's Agassi that have won all the four slams and the Olympics on the men's side. I know I'm very men-centric right now. We just haven't seen as many withdrawals on the women's side of yet, but Again, for a guy like Roger Federer, that's the only thing missing on his mantle. For a guy like Novak Djokovic, that's the only thing missing on his mantle. There are some players for whom the Olympics matters most. And you go back to a guy like Andy Murray, who after losing the 2012 Wimbledon Finals, immediately bounces back, wins that 2012 gold medal, then wins the 2012 U.S. Open. And for a guy like a Zverev, a Medvedev, a Tsitsipas, a Rublev, still chasing that first major, major title, the Olympics is in that category. But for some of these other players, they're trying to sustain their careers. They're looking at longevity. A guy like a Gasquet or a Monfils who have pulled out of these events, you can understand why they did so. And so, again, context is key. I don't think this needs to be a collective freakout from the tennis world. Not that I've seen a collective freakout, but that's just my thoughts on the topic. There have been withdrawals. It felt worth discussing. Again, you look at the fields across the board. Osaka is certainly going to be playing in front of uh, a home crowd in Japan. Djokovic going to be chasing like crazy that Olympic gold medal. And by the way, I didn't even think about that. He could win all four Grand Slams and an Olympic gold in the same year. I think at that point, the GOAT debate is once again over. But overall, despite the withdrawals, still very much looking forward to the 2021 Olympic Games and in particular, 2021 Olympic tennis.